what's up? Welcome to a super special bonus episode of Vanished in the Valley. I'm your host, as usual, Athena. And today we're going to go into some U.S. government fuckery. And not just the usual fuckery, it's fuckery directed against its citizens, you and me. So, we're going to start the story off today in the Bay Area, the San Francisco Bay Area. And it involves the Navy and them spraying the citizens of San Francisco with different types of airborne bacteria. So, get ready for this shit. It all starts in 1950 with Operation Sea Spray. It was a U.S. Navy secret experiment in which Serratia marsicans and Bacillus globigii bacteria were sprayed all over the San Francisco Bay Area in California. A little background on the Serratia marsicans is it's known mostly as a hospital-acquired infection, particularly catheter-associated bacteremia, urinary tract infections, and wound infections. It's responsible for 1.4% of hospital-acquired cases in the United States. It's also commonly found in respiratory and urinary tracts of hospitalized adults and in the gastrointestinal system of children. So that's just uh, what we know about that first bacteria I mentioned. The second one doesn't seem to be very pathogenic. It's actually used sometimes in biomedicine as an indicator for strains of heat, chemical-based decontamination regimens. Most of the strains in use are derivatives of a lineage of just a different type of bacteria. So one is pathogenic and the other is not. So we're obviously going to focus on the one that fucks up people. From September 20th to September 27th, 1950, the U.S. Navy decided it'd be an amazing idea to release these pathogens off the shore of San Francisco. So based on results from monitoring equipment at 43 locations around the city, the Army determined that San Francisco had received enough of a dose for nearly all of the city's 800,000 residents to inhale at least 5,000 of the particles. So right there, if the Navy has this little ship of theirs uh, going around and releasing the spray around San Francisco, but the Army is the one that's actually tracking it, it kind of sounds like there, maybe these two uh, military branches are in cahoots. So I don't know uh, who greenlighted this project. I mean, this was like 80 years ago, basically, 70-something years ago. But... uh, all bad guys what the fuck let's practice this on american citizens come the fuck on the whole point of these little biological tests was apparently to see what type of a threat cities like san francisco and cities with similar size and topography would face if there were some type of a germ warfare threat And in this regard, the experiment was a success because most of these people had breathed in the pathogens that the Navy had sprayed out. Apparently, a crew of a U.S. Navy minesweeper ship 
was off the Northern California coast about two miles when they decided to spray this bacteria in the air. Now, back in the 50s, the U.S. military claimed that they thought serratia couldn't harm humans. It was mostly known for red spots it produced on infested foods, and it had not been widely linked to clinical conditions. But <laughs> that all changed when San Francisco residents started to go to Stanford University Medical Center with urinary tract infections. So check this shit out. Upon testing the urine, the doctors noticed that the pathogen had a red hue or color to it. Infection with serratia was so rare that the outbreak was extensively investigated by the university to identify the origins of this scarlet letter bug. After scientists identified the microbe, the case collectively became the first recorded outbreak of serratia marcissens. One patient, a man named Edward Neven, who was recovering from prostate surgery, died and some have suggested that the release forever changed the area's microbial ecology. As Bernadette Tanzi pointed out for the San Francisco Chronicle in 2004. So guys, this isn't the only test the U.S. military has done on its own citizens. I'll get into some of those tests a little bit later. But first, I want to get into the 1970s Senate subcommittee hearings that were basically convened to go into, I guess, what the U.S. Army would disclose and kind of let us know what was going on with it. So the U.S. Army did disclose the existence of the tests. The Army officials noted that pneumonia outbreak in their testimony, but said any link to their experiments was totally coincidental. Uh-huh, sure. The Army pointed out that no other hospitals reported similar outbreaks and all 11 victims had urinary tract infections following medical procedures, suggesting that the source of their infections lay inside the hospital, which is totally possible, but just the timing just is just too perfect. It can't be... Just this hospital happened to get an outbreak of the bacteria. The army just happened to be shooting up into the sky at that point in time. And given at the time, they didn't believe it was harmful to humans. But that's no fucking excuse to go spraying a fucking bacteria in the air and hoping for the best, guys. I mean, what is with our army and military and scientists? Like, let's set off this nuke. It could set off a chain reaction that destroys the whole world. But fuck it. Let's try it. Let's shoot this bacteria into the air. Most likely it won't hurt anybody, but let's just try it. No, that's fucking, come on. Somebody get a fucking leash on these crazy motherfuckers. So you may be wondering what happened to the 11 people that were actually infected with this bacteria. 10 of them survived and recovered, but one did die. So Edward J. Nevin did not survive the Navy and Army's little test of bacteria throwing into the air. And in 1981, his family members actually filed a lawsuit against the federal government, alleging negligence and responsibility for the death of him. So they wanted to sue them for financial and emotional harm caused to Mr. Nevin's wife and the medical costs associated with his illness. 
Of course, they were ruled against in lower court, and it was brought all the way up to the Supreme Court, which declined to overturn the lower court's judgment. Of course. So that family just lost their family member. They didn't receive any type of compensation from the U.S. government, and nobody was held accountable. Fucking awesome, right? Well, let me just tell you about a little, uh, some other tests that I guess the army and different military branches decided would be totally fucking awesome to do to the U.S. people. Between 1949 and 1969, open-air tests of biological agents were conducted 239 times. In 80 of those experiments, the army said it used live bacteria that its researchers at the time thought were harmless. In the others, it used inert chemicals to simulate bacteria. Well, how fucking nice of them. In the 1950s, Army researchers dispersed serratia on Panama City and Key West, Florida, with no known illness resulting. Oh, well, lucky them. In the 1950s, Army researchers dispersed zinc cadmium sulfide, now known as a cancer-causing agent, over Minnesota and other Midwestern states to see how far they would spread in the atmosphere. The particles were detected more than 1,000 miles away in New York State. In New York, military researchers in 1966 spread Bacillus subtilis variant Niger, also believed to be harmless, in the subway system by dropping light bulbs filled with the bacteria onto the track stations in midtown Manhattan. The bacteria were carried for miles throughout the subway system. Army officials concluded in a January 1968 report that, quote-unquote, similar covert attacks with the pathogenic disease-causing agent during peak traffic periods could be expected to expose large numbers of people to infection and subsequent illness or death. Well, it's like no fucking shit. Did you need a goddamn degree in bioweapons to know that? In May 1965, secret release of Bacillus Globigii <laughs> at Washington's National Airport and its Greyhound Lines bus terminal. More than 130 passengers were exposed to the bacteria, traveling to 39 cities and 7 states in the two weeks following a mock attack. So that's just some of the similar tests that the U.S. Army, Navy, and whoever else thought would be fucking awesome. And I highly doubt that any time any of the people that were hurt in this, I, I guarantee you nobody was held responsible. We just saw evidence there in the San Francisco attack that the government kind of just wiped their hands and said, nope, don't look at us. We didn't do anything wrong. That wasn't from us, which is a bunch of bullshit. But there are so many other little incidents like this, which was why it fucking shocks me that today people are like totally buying into the coronavirus bullshit, thinking that our government, the CDC and all these fucking politicians, they would never lie to us about that. They wouldn't do that for their own gains or research or whatever the fuck their agenda is. It's like, how many times does the government have to be caught in their fuckery? How many times? How many times, guys, before people say, no fucking more, we need to get rid of literally all the politicians we have and start the fuck over. 
Our government no longer represents the people or even resembles the people in the least bit. All of our politicians, all of our people in government, these are all some rich motherfuckers. These are, I don't think there's anybody in Congress that's less than a millionaire. And how many fucking millionaires do you know? I'm sure maybe a couple, but every single person in Congress, all of our senators, they're all fucking way up on the tax bracket. Why aren't there any of uh, the poor, the middle class? Where is all those representations in our government? So before I get off on a fucking tirade about that, let's move on to the next government fuckery. In 2001, the Pentagon released documents including... Devil Hole 1, which was designed to test how sarin gas would disperse after being released in artillery shells and rockets in Aspen and Spruce Forests. The test occurred in the summer of 1965 at the Gerstle River test site near Fort Greeley, Alaska. Sarin is a powerful nerve agent gas that causes a choking, thrashing death. The Bush administration says it's part of Iraq's chemical arsenal. Devil Hole 2, which tested how the nerve agent VX behaved when dispersed with artillery shells. The test at Gerstle River site in Alaska also included mannequins in military uniforms and military trucks. VX is one of the deadliest nerve agents known and is persistent in the environment because it's a sticky liquid that evaporates slowly. Iraq has acknowledged making tons of VX. Big Tom, a 1965 test that included spraying bacteria over the Hawaiian island of Oahu to simulate a biological attack on an island compound and to develop tactics for such an attack. The test used Bacillus globigii. <laughs> Bacillus globigii a bacterium believed at the time to be harmless. Researchers later discovered the bacterium, a relative of one that causes anthrax, could cause infections in people with weakened immune systems. Rapitan 1, 2, and 3. A series of tests in 1967 and 1968 in England and Canada. Ooh, we're moving international now. The test used sarin and VX, as well as a nerve agent, Taban and Soman at the British Chemical Weapons Factory in Porton Down, England. Tests at the Suffield Defense Research Establishment in Ralston, Canada included Tobin and Soman, the records show. Tobin and Soman are chemically related to sarin and produce similar effects. So they fuck you up, basically. And they are not easy to get out of the environment. So, you guys, those that's just like ones that the Pentagon and the Army or whoever have decided to declassify. I better, I would bet your ass that, <laughs> of course I bet your ass, but I'd also bet my ass that there are other tests that the government has done that they have not disclosed to the public. And so far, guys, I have just covered the biological weapons aspect of the U.S. government uh, experimenting on the citizens here. Now we're about to get into radiation experiments, which are the fucking things of nightmares. I mean, it got so bad that they actually had to create an advisory committee on human radiation experiments in 1994 so they could investigate the questions of the record of the United States government with respect to human radiation experiments. 
Like, what the actual fuck, man? You got to watch these people 24-7, okay? Because you give them an inch and they'll fucking irradiate you when you're not looking. The whole irradiation scandal first came to the public's attention in a newsletter called Science Trends in 1976. And when Howard Rosenberg, who was a journalist for the magazine Mother Jones, used the Freedom of Information Act to gather hundreds of documents to investigate total radiation studies, which were done at the Oak Ridge Institute for Nuclear Studies. The Mother Jones article triggered a hearing before the Subcommittee on Investigations and Oversight of the House Science and Technology Committee. So, unfortunately, though, it really didn't stir that much with the public which really isn't surprising. The public really doesn't seem to give a fuck. Like on my Instagram, people more fucking concerned with funny and cute memes than child sex trafficking or any of the other fucked up things I investigate. I guess it is easier to laugh and, you know, have a blast at some stupid meme than actually look and see what's going on with all the fucked up child sex trafficking, the government fuckery, and all the other stupid things that are going on in this country right now. But... In November 1986, a report by the staff of Massachusetts Congressman Ed Markey was released, but the media really didn't care about it. It was entitled American Nuclear Guinea Pigs, Three Decades of Radiation Experiments on U.S. Citizens. And with a name like that, you think the public or the media would give a fuck, but they really didn't. It just barely got any any attention. The report stated that there had been 31 human radiation experiments involving nearly 700 people. Markey urged the Department of Energy to make every effort to find the experimental subjects and compensate them for damages, which never occurred. The Department of Energy officials knew who had conducted the experiments and the names of some of the subjects. And after the report was released, President Ronald Reagan and Vice President George H.W. Bush resisted opening investigations of the radiation experiments. How fucking surprising. The Marquet Report found that between 1945 and 1947, 18 hospital patients were injected with plutonium. And this was done by fucking doctors, you guys. Doctors that take an oath not to harm patients. I, those doctors needed to be fucking stricken from the profession. That's just appalling. I'm just fucking outraged that somebody that took an oath to do no harm would inject a person with plutonium. Fuck. The doctors supposedly selected patients they thought were likely to die in the near future. But despite this bullshit prognosis the doctors gave, several lived for decades after, which is fucking amazing. I had no idea you could inject plutonium and survive, but apparently these fucking dumbass doctors proved you could. So, Abacade was one of the unwilling, unknowing participants in the medical experiments that involved the injection of 4.7 micrograms of plutonium. And that was done on April 10th, 1945 in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. The experiment was done under the supervision of Harold Hodge. And this is quoting from what the report states. 
Although these experiments did provide information on the retention and absorption of radioactive material by the human body, the experiments are nonetheless repugnant because human subjects were essentially used as guinea pigs and calibration devices. Well, no fucking shit. I just, I don't know, like, if there just wasn't standards of the medical profession back then or if fucking just straight-up evil people were in charge of the U.S. Army, military, and these universities where the experiments were happening. Because it seems like it would be common sense that you don't fucking experiment on people. We learned that in World War II with Joseph Mengele, the fucking angel of death piece of shit doctor, and I use doctor in the loosest form possible, that experimented on people in concentration camps. Obviously, we didn't learn anything from that. I just, I don't know. I'm almost speechless. Almost is the key word because I'm basically never fucking speechless. But it's fucked up. And these people were never compensated. And a lot of people don't even know about these different experiments that were done on U.S. citizens. So I'm going to tell you about a couple more experiments that kind of tie in with some of the shit going on now. In 1963 to 1966, Sal Krugman of New York University promised the parents of mentally disabled children that their children would be enrolled into Willowbrook in exchange for signing a consent form for procedures that he claimed were vaccinations. In reality, the procedures involved deliberately infecting children with viral hepatitis by feeding them an extract made from feces of patients infected with the disease. Holy fucking shit. I, uh, I don't even know what to say on that. Let's fucking go on to the next one. From the 1950s to 1972, mentally disabled children at the Willowbrook State School in Staten Island, New York, were intentionally infected with viral hepatitis for research purposes, and it was to help discover a vaccination. All this shit with vaccinations. And, you know, this one they're trying to get for the Kabobo 19. It's uh, super rushed. Usually these vaccinations take years and years of development and clinical trials. And they're trying to bust one out in six months and promise everybody that it's totally safe. Totally safe, guys. Get it. And the Kabobo, I'm sorry, but it's like killing roughly around the same amount as a bad flu year. But let's fucking stomp on the economy, rush a vaccine, and try to scare the whole fucking world into staying in their homes. I just, I can't believe we're like seven months in and everybody is still sitting at home with these fucking maxi pads on their face, breathing in hot air, waiting for the government to give them the okay to go back outside to the beaches and mountains again. Wake the fuck up, people. You don't, it's not fucking that bad. I have been out since day one working out in the world, shopping at grocery stores, doing whatever I could do, and I haven't fucking gotten it. And even if I did get it, I'd probably be uh, what they asymptomatic carriers. I'm sorry, but you need to stop fucking being scared at home watching the news for like the newest update on the Rona. Don't fucking listen to them. Look at the fucking numbers of people dying. It's not elevated, just like the overall death rate is not higher this year than it was last year, even with the dreaded Rona running free out on the streets. 
So get it the fuck together. Do a little bit of research. Realize these fucking maxi pads they have you strapped to your face aren't going to actually filter out a virus. Sorry, viruses are so small, they live inside your cells. And you really think that some shit made out of spandex or polyester is going to stop it? Nope. Sorry, not going to happen. Okay, let's go over one more fucked up test on humans that uh, were unwilling subjects before I run out of here. In 1941, at the University of Michigan, virologist Thomas Francis Jonas Salks and other researchers deliberately infected patients at several Michigan mental institutions with the influenza virus by spraying the virus into their nasal passages. Francis Peyton Rose, based at the Rockefeller Institute and editor of the Journal of Experimental Medicine, wrote the following to Francis regarding the experiments. It may save you much trouble if you publish your paper elsewhere than in the Journal of Experimental Medicine. The journal is under constant scrutiny by the anti-vivisectionists who would not hesitate to play up the fact that you used for your tests human beings of a state institution, that the tests were wholly justified without saying. So Rouse fucking didn't give a shit that this guy was experimenting on unsuspecting patients. He just wanted this guy to know that these anti-vivisectionists would be all up over him. Rouse closely monitored the articles he published since the 1930s when the revival of anti-vivisectionist movement raised pressure against certain human experimentation. In 1941, Dr. William C. Black inoculated a 12-month-old baby with herpes, who was quote-unquote offered as a volunteer. He submitted his research to the Journal of Experimental Medicine, which rejected the findings due to the ethically questionable research methods used in the study. Rouse called the experiment an abuse of power, an infringement of the rights of an individual, and not excusable because the illness which followed had implications for science. The study was later published by the Journal of Pediatrics. It's like, holy fucking shit, guys. I could go on and on. I got a lot of my information from different Wikipedia articles. I got some of it from the State Smithsonian Magazine. And it's fucking actually all over the internet. There is different papers that were released in FBI, Freedom of Information Act documents. It's all there if you just do the least bit of research. So, I don't know. Fuckery's been going on in our government basically since the start. And if you don't think it's going on today, then you've got some fucking blinders on. And you might be, you know, ignorance is bliss and all that bullshit, but... Give me the brutal truth over pretty lies any fucking day. So, before I run away from here and go fucking, like, wash my eyes out from all this disgusting reading I've had to do, I have got to thank our little Patreon. Actually, it's not even Patreon. Um, <laughs> I w- uh, Richard, who did our, who did the uh, donations for this bonus episode, actually found it through Acast, and that's who hosts my uh, podcast. So apparently, I, I didn't even realize this was happening, but if you go to different podcast players, 
they should have this little area down below all the writing about the episode and down below all the description of the episode. It says support this show and then it just basically gives you a little web address. It's www.supporter.acast.com backslash Vanish in the Valley. And that's where Richard helped us out and was the producer of this episode. So thank you very much, Richard J. I appreciate it. And I'm sure all the other listeners who are getting down on this fucked up information today. So thank you. I appreciate it. And as always, be aware and don't forget your pepper spray. Ciao, ciao. Are you lost?